Hello and welcome to Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum here at 90.3 The Core. Um, today we are talking about the new president here at Rutgers and the new announcement that just came out this week that John Holloway, the former master at Yale University and the current provost at Northwestern University, um, will become the next president of Rutgers. Holloway will be the first black president at Rutgers in the 254-year history of the university. A scholar with a PhD in history, Holloway's research is centered around post-emancipation U.S. history with a focus on social and intellectual history. In 2013, he published his second book, Jim Crow Wisdom, Memory and Identity in Black America Since 1940. Many people are com commending this announcement, seeing it as a long overdue correction in a university where issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion have historically been ignored, minimized, or outright denied. Holloway's intellectual and leadership experience indicate the potential for a significant departure from the Barchi era, and changes are definitely in store for Rutgers. However, what could those changes be, and more importantly, how will the first black president at Rutgers address what are still ongoing issues for black students and faculty members at the university? It is important to confront his record. Holloway served as master of Calhoun College, the residential college of Yale University, from 2005 to 2014, and the dean of the college from 2014 to 2017. His tenure was not without controversy. In 2015, when many students at Yale, recognizing the, late, the racist legacy of John C. Calhoun, began mobilizing to rename the college, Holloway initially rejected the students' demands, but subsequently changed his mind as a result of more engagement with students. Campus-wide protests also erupted in 2015 when two faculty members at Yale, who were also living on campus, sent a mass email openly criticizing cultural sensitivity guidelines for Halloween costumes that year. Holloway stood by black and brown students saying that he was moved by the students' quote, profound pain and was fully in support of the costume guidelines. He wrote, quote, we, all, we need always to be dedicated to fashioning a community that is mindful of the many traditions that make us who we are. Despite the positive statements, many students at Yale believe that Holloway could have and should have done more. While the provost of Northwestern um, starting in 2017, the university there began to plunge into a $94 million deficit. Holloway was part of an administration that responded to these financial woes by firing around 80 administrative, administrative staff members and significantly cutting the budget of many academic departments. These rollbacks came even while the university was able to pull out over $100 million from their endowment to close the budget gap. Earlier that year, students began criticizing the university for inviting visiting scholar Satoshi Kanazawa, who was known for his outright racist, sexist, and Islamophobic scholarship. In response to a petition signed by over 4,000 people demanding his removal, Holloway expressed, quote, I find his scholarship presents ideas that are antithetical to the values that Northwestern University holds dear. However, Holloway also allowed Kan Kanazawa to finish out his year-long tenure. 
Holloway returned to Yale in 2018 for a debate on reparations for slavery, where he argued against cash reparations, which he called impractical, but supported reparations in the form of structured federal programs designed to provide African Americans with greater opportunity in housing, health care, and education. In May of that year, Holloway co-authored a statement criticizing Stephen Thrasher, a Northwestern faculty member, for tweeting support for the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions Movement, or BDS, against Israeli apartheid. While the statement defended Thrasher's academic freedom, Holloway also reaffirmed that Northwestern as an institution unequivocally rejects BDS. To the contrary, we value our many relationships with a variety of universities and research centers in Israel. In response, Northwestern Students for Justice in Palestine member Charmaine Siddiqui noted how statements like this make it difficult to have on-campus discussions around the question of Palestine, an issue that many activists and academics contextualize within broader struggles for black liberation and decolonization around the world. However, Holloway also has some positive positive marks on his tenure at Northwestern. Last September, he helped start the Undergraduate Student Lifecycle Initiative, which provides resources to first-generation and low-income students at Northwestern. Holloway also implemented a new review process for deans that allowed both student and faculty representatives to engage more in the process. With enrollment at Rutgers more than tripling the size of both Northwestern and Yale, it is difficult to predict exactly how Holloway will govern a much larger university, one with an entirely different campus environment from the previous two schools he helped lead. However, what is clear is that Holloway will be forced to answer to the Black students, staff, and faculty members at Rutgers who are demanding fundamental changes to a university that is still struggling with the legacy of racial discrimination on campus. Today, we are joined by three of these voices, Sydney Collins, Secretary of Black Lives Matter Rutgers and a junior here at the New Brunswick campus, Jada Agree, the chair of BLM and a junior here at the university, and Brian Matthew, the high school outreach chair, the high school outreach co-chair of the Rutgers NAACP and a senior here at Rutgers. Welcome everybody to the program. Hello. 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 Um, thank you so much for being here. So I guess we can just start off with all of your initial reactions to this announcement and kind of I know it's only a few days out from the announcement, but just your general thoughts on this new change. To me, it's so Rutgers has been a, been a university for 253 years, mm-hmm. and to hear the announcement that we have our first black president, it's we're going a long way from that. It's I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I have mixed emotions about mm-hmm. it myself. Um, I see it very much as an Obama rollout. Um, not to disrespect Holloway, but knowing Rutgers and the way that it handles um, racial injustice, I really think that they're using him to make black students and black faculty think that there's more progress than there is. And given his background at his other universities, I don't know that he'll do much for the black students here at Rutgers, similar to Obama with black Americans. So I I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, but... um, we have concerns. I'm excited yet nervous to see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what did you think of the selection process, too? I mean, there were obviously some town halls earlier in the fall semester. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like there was enough outreach, particularly to black students and faculty, when it came to this decision? No. no. Not, at <laughs> not at all. No. <laughs> so when they was looking for like a new president, there have been rumors going around saying that they had like an outside source and they only had one student involved with the process which I found that's extremely 
undemocratic, undemocratic mm-hmm. they should at least have like a student from New Brunswick, a student from Newark, a student from Camden, and, and a graduate student, so we can all voice our concerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that the process should have been made um, more open. It's really sad that a lot of students found out about Holloway through Instagram mm-hmm. and through yeah. rumors, and I feel like for our university it would have made a lot more sense had it been more public, had people known about the process, had they consulted black organizations, um, you know, just asking us what we were looking for in a president, maybe present the candidates to us, similar to how they do with um, professors when they're looking for new professors in department, they consult students in Africana studies to see what we want, so would have made um, some sense for them to consult students, which, you know, Because we do politics. pay tuition to be at the school, mm-hmm. so we deserve to have our voice being heard. Yeah, right. exactly. And how do you expect, I mean, obviously we, this was a kind of like a cursory look at, you know, his record. There's probably going to be more that's come out um, as his transition kind of unfolds. But how do you kind of expect him, for him to act as a leader based on kind of his previous tenures at different universities? Um, based off his other tenures at other universities, um, I expect Holloway to, well, I'm actually nervous for him to cut funding, academic funding, especially for departments like the Africana Studies, mm-hmm. and because we're, it's already already so low funded that um, I'm very nervous that he's going to do that and maybe increase the athletics program because we did just hire new coaches and and stuff like that. Um, but in comparison to his other universities, I feel like. The black, you know, the black organizations here on campus will make sure that he is acting appropriately and how we need him to act for the success of our students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think the black orgs here at Rutgers, we're going to hold him to a higher standard than even Barchi, just because um, they kind of brag about his background as an Africana Studies professor at his previous universities. So I really want to hold him to that as somebody who's double majoring in Africana Studies. So I really want to see him uh, represent his background well. It's not enough to write books about black history, but you need to support black students that are at your school. So hopefully he'll do that. If he doesn't, we'll be on him just like we were on Barchi. Yeah. It's definitely a critical moment, like with this big transition. And Sydney, you were just talking about the comparisons between um, Holloway and Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is like an ongoing, perhaps like decades long um, debate over the value of engaging in the politics of just pure representation. And some people say that the election of the first black president with Obama may have led to kind of false notions of a post-racial society. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you worry about like a similar kind of trend emerging with this decision? And how do you kind of combat those really false narratives? Um, Personally, um, that was something that I grappled with a lot with the election of Obama because a lot of African-Americans were overjoyed because, um, especially for older African-Americans, I know my grandmother participated in the civil rights movement. So for her to see the election of a black president was like monumental for her. Mm -hmm. But then through his tenure and the lack of action on behalf of black Americans, it was kind of bittersweet to see him in the position and still do nothing for us. Like I... um, his interactions with Flint, Michigan, telling them that their water tasted fine to him. Like, it were, there were just so many um, stabs in the back. Mm-hmm. So I'm just um, nervous that something similar could potentially happen here. And I don't want Rutgers, especially coming off the centennial of Paul Robeson, to just use Holloway yeah. to make it seem like things are better than they are. So that's my biggest fear for him. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm most afraid of is that 
non-black students will think that everything is okay and will allow them it will allow them to kind of pull back from fighting for a change for for black and brown students on campus so that's what i'm worried about like um with obama like you said it created false notions of the post-racial society so everybody's autom- automatically going to think that with the black president um here at rutgers that um all of the issues with the black students here are magically go away Mm -hmm. and i don't want people to forget that you know we've been struggling here on campus and we've been fighting here on campus and i don't want people to think that that's just going to go away with the election of the black president and then for me now that i'm i'm graduating in may it's i do have concerns and i'm worried about like what's going to happen to our black students on campus and they can reach out to me anytime and there's a problem because i want to hold this president accountable we do see that there's a change that okay we have a first black president but is he really going to make the changes we need because keep in mind remember Rucker was not for originally Rucker was only for white men and then strides change it for women for douglas and then in the 1968 where black students fought for more black students and faculty mm-hmm. here on this university mm-hmm. and then how would you summarize president barchi's <laughs> tenure <Chaotic. laughs> in Sad. office messy disgusting <laughs> Many adjectives could be used, I I assume. (laughs) Whack is a really good adjective (laughs) to describe Barchi here at Rutgers. I don't know. I could not name you something that Barchi has done for Black Rutgers. Like, truthfully, I couldn't name it. Yeah. Um, One thing I'll remember Barchi for is him probably telling um, the students that he wanted to defer black and brown students to separate campuses to Newark and Camden to keep the New Brunswick campus pristine wow. so that's something that he will be remembered for <laughs> um, I don't know if that's the legacy that he wanted to leave but <laughs> he did so I don't I'm happy he's leaving and that's it yeah I have a lot to say <laughs> with marching the when people think of Barchi, they're going to be like, oh, he merged UMDNJ, but for the black students, we can't say nothing. When Donald Trump became elected as president, remember, people went on Tillett Hall, wrote graffiti with chalk saying, bad hombres out, everybody's um, Trump, pre- president for, Trump for president, and many more. And he defended saying, oh, that's free speech. Yep. There's a difference between free speech and hate speech. What else? <laughs> what else? It's so There's much. There's so, so many much. things we need to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then when book. when athletics, there was a lot of spending for athletics, Barchi's like, I don't care about the athletics. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Or, um, yeah, and now, like, the new coach, too. Like, yeah, And plus, there was multiple Rucker scandals mm-hmm, with oh, the definitely. athletics. Yes. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Yeah, like, um, I think the new football coach, like, his demands were insane like it was like a private jet or something a jet yes yeah for his family to come yeah and i think that that contract too based on you know what i had seen from the teachers union he's making more than all of the postdoc students combined all of them yeah um and with the private jet too is like that had historically been funded by donors um, and now this is funded face, directly honestly. by his new contract. It's now funded directly student by student fees. fees. So it's just, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to be missed. And then he always, always go behind the real, re, the rules, like how you're supposed to do like a search committee. Remember, that's how um, Chancellor Malloy got 
got this position, mm-hmm. he, he should have, Barchi should have done like a search. Even the former Rooster president was annoyed by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously there's like a lot to correct. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. oh, yes. And are there certain issues or areas that you think should be on the top of Holloway's agenda <coughs> as he <laughs> enters into office? Well, um, coming off of the rally last semester, I really think we made it clear what our demands are. And not that, you know, black students are the most important here. However, our demands were pretty clear, and I think those should be at the top Mm -hmm. of his agenda just because the demands protect black students, but they create a culture at Rutgers that protects students in general. Mm -hmm. So even though our demands are specific to black students, they're really not. They can be applied to so many different marginalized communities at Rutgers. And I feel like it would be important for him as a former Africana studies professor to show that he cares about students of color. And he, we will make sure that he gets the demands too. Oh yes. Oh, (laughs) as soon as we step in his office, he'll know what's up. But I think like for him if he really wants to start off on the right foot it would make a lot of sense for him to show solidarity with communities of color specifically black students at Rutgers all right awesome um we're going to come back we're gonna take a short break we're going to come back specifically talking about some of those issues and the demands that your organizations raised last semester and kind of where they stand um, right now. Um, But this is core of the matter. We're talking with representatives from BLM and NAACP here at Rutgers. Um, Stay tuned right after this break. Good evening and welcome to Why I Smoke, the game show that lets smokers defend their addictive, life-threatening, and disgusting habit. I'm your host, Harry Healthy. Let's welcome our contestants, Brenda and Joe. Let's begin with Miss Yellow Teeth, Brenda. Why did you start smoking? Well, uh, I thought I needed to lose like 10 pounds. Cigarettes were a way to lose weight. Ah, yes. Drop those inches and increase your chances at getting cancer, premature wrinkles, and infertility. Let's move on to Joe. Why do you smoke? I look cool, man. And the chicks dig it. What you need are women who also smoke. That way their teeth are just as stained and black as yours. Well, sorry my date with death contestants, but we're out of time. I'm Harry Healthy for Why I Smoke. Need any more reasons to quit smoking? Visit NJRebel.com. This message is brought to you by the Center for Addiction Studies and 90.3 The Core. Hey dude, I'm pretty glad it got us all together to burn off some steam from exams. My life's just been all-nighters this week. I'm so ready to chill out. Yeah, no problem. My house is always open for parties as long as people follow house rules. Bring a snack, bring a game, but no drinks, so we can just relax without all that drama. <laughs> yeah, no one have a problem with that, unless they're afraid of partying without alcohol or something. Yo, bro, I brought the Bacardi! Don't be that guy. It takes confidence to relax without having to drink, but when you have friends who get it, they still know how to have fun. This message is brought to you by the Rutgers Are You Sure campaign and 90.3 The Core.
And welcome back to Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum for 90.3 The Core. Um, we're talking about the selection of the new president at Rutgers with Jonathan Holloway. And we're here with representatives from BLM Rutgers and the NAACP here at Rutgers. And we're kind of turning now towards more specific issues that black students at Rutgers are facing currently. Um, and we're going to start off, I guess, with kind of the issues within the academic departments themselves. Um, and research from the AEP AFT last year during their contract campaign showed that the percentage of African-American faculty at Rutgers actually declined from 5.4% in 1997 to 4.2% in 2017. And the most secure and powerful decision-making rules um, within the university are consistently held by white men. And just this past week, many faculty members in the Africana Studies Department um, were at risk of having their classes canceled due to low enrollment. Mm -hmm. And what are your thoughts on these disparities in representation within the faculty and academic departments at Rutgers? Um, I think it's ridiculous that we have to beg people to take Africana Studies classes. Most like, I think it's ridiculous because black culture is something that is often imitated every mm -hmm. day mm -hmm. so if you care so much about black culture and what black people are doing then why aren't you joining these classes why aren't you trying to learn about black history or um, about current black issues and I think it's ridiculous that these Africana studies professors have to take to Instagram to basically beg people to take their classes when the majority of black students here on campus, one, should take those classes already because they should want to learn about themselves. And two, other people should want to learn about the culture that they're imitating. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest problems that I've had um, as an Africana studies major is just grappling with the fact that most of our classes are predominantly black. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very unfair because everyone is forced to sit in an American history class and everyone mm -hmm. is forced to sit in a world history class, but no one is forced to sit in an Africana class. And that to me, it just hurts because I feel like our history should be um, just as respected as every other cultural history, considering that um, Africana history is American history. Yeah. Uh, intro to Africana studies goes back even beyond slavery, but you can't learn about America and not learn about slavery and not learn about all the different people who helped to build this to build this country. So I just feel like it's really um, frustrating that the professors who most of them, I think the problem for the professors is that they're not actually given professorship. Right. So yeah. um, a problem at Rutgers is the way that they categorize teachers here and their salaries are very based on their categorizations. So um, a lot of professors in the Africana Studies Department are associate professors, meaning they are not really salaried, yeah. they get paid per class that they teach. Right. So if teachers are at risk for losing their classes, that means that they're going to lose their quote unquote salaries because they're not really salaried anyway. Yeah. So there's no reason that professors with PhD should be making $20,000 a year because they don't have professorship. Like right. that is a problem. Mm -hmm. And then when you mentioned the, the earlier about the decline from African-American faculty from 5.4% in 1994 to 42 in 2017, it raises concerns because when you think of New Jersey, we're, I believe, like 14% black. Yeah. But when yeah. you look at Rutgers statistics, it's like, what's going on? And think, keep in mind, we're only 7% black at the university, and the university got it. We're, we're, we're raised concerns as to why are the statistics, the, we're still 7%, still, what's going on? 
Yeah. And then for the Africana Studies Department this weekend, where professors were begging, reaching out to for people to fill their classes or their classes gonna get canceled. One of my professors, he has a wife and three kids, and if he didn't get his class full, they were gonna get, he was gonna lose his job, mm-hmm. and the class would get canceled. That's a shame. Yeah. Um, and then, what do you think Rutgers could do to ensure a more diverse range of identities within the faculty? And how could the university maybe do more to support departments like Africana Studies? Give them funding. Yeah. If you look, <laughs> Give them funding. If you look, so if you look yeah. at Beck Hall, where the Africana Studies Department is at, horrible. It's, yeah. Beck Hall is the oldest building ever, and you see <laughs> 10 professors t- sharing two offices. Yep. And you look at other departments, they, each they had their own office, like... What's yeah. going on? And then when it comes to like, we have like the major minor fair, we don't see the Africana Studies Department because they don't have enough staff to help them. Yeah. And you and lately we've been hearing that African-American professors are leaving the university because they don't feel appreciative. What is going on? Yeah. yeah, I feel like Rutgers definitely has to take accountability for the way in which it's failed Africana professors. Mm-hmm. And when you fail the professors, you fail the students because professors are getting discouraged, which is giving them less passion to teach these classes. So, like, I've had um, professors here at Rutgers who have confided in students about how miserable they are right. teaching yes. here. And I feel like that is the last thing that a professor should ever have to do. Like, they're so passionate about the work because most Africana professors here at Rutgers, this is their life's work. Mm-hmm. They're so passionate about teaching their own cultural history. And for it to be disrespected by the university that they teach at, it's just a slap in the face to them. So Rutgers needs to fund them. It needs to make them feel appreciated. They need their own offices. They need to fix up Beck Hall. They need to yes. do a lot of things for these um, black professors and stuff making new buildings such as for the athletics i mean i'm 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 a fan of the athletics but there's there's no need to like keep building multiple buildings just for them that money could be used for something else buildings too yeah oh our stem buildings are beautiful financial aid is about to get a whole new building on bush and africana still has to beg for them to fix the bathrooms and back yes so Rutgers do claim diversity inclusion equity but where is that when it comes to right. the black and brown students here on campus? Mm-hmm. Can I just say that the Africana professors that I have had in my last three years here at Rutgers have been the pro- best professors I've yep. ever had. They're yes. the most caring. They're the most loving. They actually care that you're, you know, digesting their work and learning from it. Mm-hmm. Like, so I just feel that in comparison to these STEM classes, which are equally as important, they they get all the funding. They get the nice classrooms. They get College Avenue. Yep. And... The Africana classes are only allowed to, well, usually are in Beck Hall or Tillett. Now, they need to be treated the same way as these STEM professors because if they're not, you're also telling them that their work is Less not important. as important. Right. They also have a PhD. And There's yeah. no reason right. I like Sydney said, for 12 years for you to tell yes. me yes. that my work is less important than a TA who's teaching bio. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think we all could agree that we learn more from the Africana Studies Department than our own major. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm a cell bio neuroscience major as well as Africana Studies, and I can tell you that I've my most attentive teachers have been Africana teachers who've also been attentive to my other major. Right. So if yeah. they know that I have a lot of work or exams coming up in CB they'll give me extensions for things. You're not getting an extension in STEM. And I feel like there's just a different culture in the way that the Africana teachers care about students. And they're so, like I said, they're so passionate about their work. And I just feel like I've had classes where, um, film classes, 
um, that are part of the Africana Studies Department a lot of times don't even count for the film major. Yeah, yeah. Like that's insane. There, there'll be times where I've had film classes that weren't in classrooms suitable to show films. Or, that doesn't even make sense. Or I'm a I'm a sports management major and. We have a class that is taught by Professor Plummer in the Africana Studies Department, yeah. and it's called African Americans in Sports. And now we have to ask and beg for the Department of Sport Management to accept them those credits as electives. Now, any class that is being taught about sports or people in sports should automatically count towards yeah. a sport management major. And seeing that African Americans make up most of sports and are really what started sports they should automatically count that as a part of the major yeah it should be a requirement if anything mm -hmm. and i think sydney you as like a cell bio and africana mm -hmm. study you can definitely see the divide between yeah. the two departments Absolutely. in terms of um i just feel like it's just very unfair like the range of electives that are available for cbn biochem all of those majors um, it's sad because as a CBN major, I would never be required to take an Africana class. Um, but as an Africana major, they'll accept my CBN credits as electives. And I feel like that disparity shows you everything that you need to know about the two departments. Yeah. And I'm criminal justice and social worker. And I, to be honest, when I take the Africana studies class, I really do have professors that are passionate and they're willing to work with me. But compared to my other major... I'm not. I'm not gonna say the name because I'm. No, I <laughs> oh, can say fine. where the social work department. I would have like issues every semester, and nothing's being resolved when it comes to my issues and concerns. Right. Yeah. It's the same thing with the poli side department yes. too. And people like, and yeah, yeah and people be yeah. like, oh, people joke as Rutgers don't care about us, but do they? Yeah, I think what was for poli sci there is a course, um, Black Politics, that was taught by Melanie Price, and she was one of the only. Um, professors in Africana that had professorship so she was tenured and she left yeah. because she was not getting the respect that she deserved mm -hmm. for her PhD she was probably one of the most brilliant professors that I've had here at Rutgers and she was tired of the disrespect even in Africana most of the professors that have professorship are men so even the women within Africana are always considered to be associate professors they're not given their just due so I yeah. mean sexism on top of racism is yeah. just a and you think, you know, we are one of the top research uh, universities in the country, you know, professors in Africana studies should also be doing research and have that time set out for them to, like, continue their scholarship. Yep. Um, and do you think that Rutgers needs to do more within its own academic curriculum to confront our own history <laughs> with racism? You have buildings like Hardenburg that, you know, is a slave-holding family that still gets its namesake on buildings. Um, Rutgers has a long institution with using slave labor to build buildings. Yeah. Um, what yeah. do you think could be something that could, like, help people who come into Rutgers kind of learn more about our own legacy with racism. Um, now, Rutgers has addressed these issues in several books that they have put out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Scarlet and Scarlet Black. Black. Scarlet yeah. and Black, right. So um, now I think what we could do moving forward is to maybe remove the names or... No, rem we should we remove them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. remove <laughs> the names, <laughs> rename them, and also... Make people aware of the history because not everybody's going to read Scarlet and Black. Yeah, exactly. It's a great book. I right. would recommend it. But. So <laughs> I think we should, what, what they should do is remove the names and name it something else or maybe something that's more friendly to everybody. Um, 
having buildings like Hardenburg and then trying to sprinkle in the Sojourner Truth, Sojourner Truth apartments when everybody calls it the yard yeah. or um, changing the names of the libraries or the name of Centennial Ave now is Paul Robeson. Yeah. So like there's little changes that they can do to make it better here at Rutgers. And um, with within the academic curriculum, I feel as though the Africana classes or at least an intro class to Africana studies which is based on like which is basically the about the entire diaspora um I feel like that should be a requirement within the 21st century um core requirement so um that is something that they could do or they could um basically these classes for Africana aren't being filled because people don't know about them so maybe they can market it better or talk about it better among the students. Like I said, requiring it, um, talking to more than just the Paul Robeson LLC about taking these um, classes as freshmen, requiring people to take burn seminars on Paul Robeson, Mm -hmm. just like that. Because with the centennial of Paul Robeson's graduation, they have been talking about him and celebrating him, but not really talking about how he's gotten there. Paul Robeson has, was beaten to make the football team. They broke his nose. Like he was literally, um, hated by every cast member in the the plays that he was in. Mm-hmm. So I feel that it's necessary to talk about those things, whether it's in a class, whether it's in a forum, mm-hmm. something, an email so that students know that it wasn't just a cakewalk for black students here on campus ever like it's still not a cakewalk for black students on campus so i think they need to address that and i think they also maybe even make scarlet and black a required a required reading for these classes because we are reading about american history why not read about Rutgers history yeah yeah that's been um a problem that i was having when i was looking um on degree navigator (laughs) our lovely website and um i was looking at the contemporary challenges requirement on degree navigator and it just shocked me that africana classes are not contemporary challenges what is more a contemporary challenge than being black in america so the fact that the black experience in america doesn't count the fact that intro to africana studies doesn't count but intro to caribbean studies does is just so funny to me i mean it's a good course but i know i took intro to caribbean studies so that's why i can vouch for it but there's no reason that my intro to africana should and be respected like, at the same level as intro to Caribbean when it's virtually the same course on the same group of people. Yeah, like just taught differently. Yeah. <laughs> like we have like intro to Caribbean studies, intro to Latino studies. They do have like a course requirement, but why is not the Africana studies department? Intro to Africana studies. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very sad that for a lot of Africana studies majors, their courses don't satisfy any of the core requirements. So pretty much at Rutgers, you're taking Africana courses because you want to, yes. right. not because it's going to fulfill some requirement. You're taking it because you want to be there and you want to support the department. But it's like it's just sad because it should count for something yeah. more than just a major or a minor in Africana studies. You should be able to take that class and it count for a historical analysis or account for a contemporary challenges. There's no reason that it doesn't. So that's on Rutgers to fix. And Sydney and I were talking yesterday about a course that is offered called Plantation to White House. That course sounds... The irony of all of that. (laughs) That course sounds like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Because to us, to black students, it's like, okay, so you're basically... You could talk about two things. You could talk about Barack Obama and how he got to where he is in the White House and how, how far black people have come from slavery. You could talk about that in celebration of black people. Or it's a class saying like, 
look how far you guys have come if you do this. It's this a look how far you, you guys have come, class. And that's yeah. how I feel it is. So I just feel like that being a core requirement is like ridiculous. That being a part of the core curriculum and these real <laughs> classes on black studies isn't like it was honestly laughable. I just don't get like it. when it's I like saw when I saw the title, I was like shocked. I was, shocked, I was like, there yeah. is no way that this is a real class. Yeah. But it's Plantation White, White House, and it's not even a part of the Africana Studies Department. It's a part of like the History Department. Wow. So mm. I'm like, so you're gonna have someone so most likely non-black. That, yeah. Right? That I have yeah. no idea. And so then, maybe one day I'll just pop in a lecture just right. to see what's going on because <laughs> I don't think that's good. And to piggyback back to Paul Robeson, yeah, we celebrated Centennial. Why don't we have something for Paul Robeson's name? We we kept on talking about Paul Robeson, but why is there a name for him within Rutgers? Yeah. Remember, the yeah. Paul Robeson Cultural Center was not called the Paul Robeson Cultural Center. It was originally on College Ave called the Black House. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a short break um, again, but we're going to come back talking about the 2030 plan um, and perhaps a <laughs> lot to say about that. Um, but this is Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum for 90.3, The Core. Thanks for staying tuned to 90.3 The Core. Now The Core Community Calendar. Friday, February 7th. The Stress Factory presents 2020 Together We Laugh to Raise Awareness. Joined by the East Brunswick Education Association and Pi Kappa Phi Rutgers, the dinner and show will raise funds for the Embrace Kids Foundation. Saturday, February 8th. The Edward J. Blaustein School of Planning and Public Policy presents the NJ Democracy Symposium. Starting at 11 a.m., the event discusses the political system and the nature of the coming year in New Jersey. Thursday, February 13th. Rutgers Health Services presents the Freaky First, a free and substance-free social event at Livingston Campus's Rutgers Zone. The event runs from 8 p.m. to 11. More information available at health.rutgers.edu. Don't forget to check out our website at thecore.fm. And now stay tuned. More great core radio is on the way. Want to know where artists are playing around you? This is the Core Concert Calendar. Tuesday, January 28th. Post-hardcore group Hands Like Houses is coming to Philadelphia's Foundry with special guests Dead American and Picturesque. Show starts at 7 p.m. Friday, February 7th. Rex Orange County is playing Radio City Music Hall in New York City. The show starts at 8 p.m. Saturday, February 8th. New York's Bowery Ballroom welcomes They Might Be Giants for an 8 p.m. show. Friday, February 14th and Saturday the 15th. Ween is coming to New York City's Terminal 5 for 8 p.m. shows. Stay connected on Twitter for music news and more. The music never stops on 90.3, The Core. Hello? And welcome back to Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum for 90.3 of the Core. We're here talking with representatives from BLM, Rutgers, and the NAACP about the announcement of Jonathan Holloway as the first black president here at Rutgers. Um, One major issue that Holloway will be confronting is the Rutgers 2030 plan, which um, in part will be consolidating all of the cultural centers into one multicultural building, essentially erasing years and years of legacies that these different centers represent 
And earlier this week in the Targum, you said, Brian, that, quote, each cultural center, they have their own cultural identity and their own history. To me, if you combine all of these cultural centers to make them as one, you're taking away their history, and some students get a sense of belonging when it comes to these cultural centers. So I was just, was just wondering if you could expand more um, your thoughts on this kind of plan to consolidate all the... <laughs> When I heard about the 2030 plan and how they're trying to get switch, get rid of all the cultural centers and make it a multicultural center, I'm still processing this, processing it. It's ridiculous. We we keep in mind we can keep bringing up Rutgers was originally for white men. Yes, sir. And all these cultural centers were formed based on activism and people demanding a space. Mm-hmm. And to make it a multicultural center, it's it's a slap in the face. You're going to do it. Hearing about the announcement, especially on the 2030 plan of, I mean, not the 2030 plan, on Paul Rosen Centennial, and to make sure that if uh, alumni hear about this, which they will hear about it, they will be extremely angry and the university will get a lot of backlash. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like he said, it's definitely a slap in the face um, as black students. Here at Rutgers, everyone knows about the degrees of marginalization and black people, specifically black women and black trans women are the most marginalized people in this country and most likely in the world. So um, it's just a slap in the face to tell black students, to tell LGBTQ plus students that they should have to share centers with people that might have oppressed them. Um, A lot of black students here at Rutgers face racism from students that belong to these other cultural centers. So to have to share a cultural center with them, um, it's just infuriating. Um, And it's really dismissive. It makes us feel unseen unheard we don't belong here that we don't belong it's effectively erasing the activism that went into building these cultural centers all of the years um, of black and brown students here forcing the university to make a space for them so to have it taken away i just feel like it's really a slap in the face to paul robeson because even though he definitely cared about global activism he was still very um proud to be black and cared foremost about the rights and um, privileges that black people should be entitled to. So it's just wrong. Um, Personally, um, I'm outraged because I have attended a couple of these cultural centers on campus and seeing the comfortability of the people there and how comfortable black students are at the PRCC, how comfortable um, Hispanic and Latino students are at the CLAC. Like... Taking that away from us and merging us all into one will really take away that sense of community here that we have. The Paul Robeson Cultural Center is already, for lack of better words, in the cut. Like, it's yes. it's in the back. Nobody sees it. Some freshmen don't even know about the PRCC. So taking that away for... Okay, let me go back. Yeah. <laughs> My first... My first encounter with the PRCC was my freshman year when we had a black student social. And I was very nervous to be here at Rutgers as a black student because of somebody who always spoke about black issues. I was nervous about that. So going to the PRCC for the first time made me feel good. It made me feel happy that we could all just gather together, have fun, eat, dance, whatever, and just be ourselves in in the space that we are provided. So now if you take away 
these culture center cultural centers people will never have that there's black students that go around campus talking about i don't have any black friends i wish i seen more black people in my yeah. biology class so that i can make more friends mm-hmm. and the PRCC really provides you with that. We have meetings there. We have socials there. We have dinner nights, movie nights. So, like, taking that away from us really just makes us feel like we're unimportant. Yeah. Like, take, because we do go to a campus that is majority white students. Yes. So, we're already walking around uncomfortable every day. We have to worry about if somebody's going to say something to us. We have to worry about if we're going to see somebody appropriating our cultures, yeah. stuff like that. So going to the PRCC is just like, it's a breath of fresh air. It makes mm-hmm. you feel at home. All the people in there is like your aunties, your uncles. Like It's really yeah. like a family environment and everybody really cares about you there. And same thing at the CLAC. Like being at the CLAC when we had our rally, we walk in, there's dogs. Like It's like, oh, hey, how are you? Haven't yeah. seen you in a while. It's very yeah. nice. Yeah. So taking that away from people is really disrespectful. Even the um, Asian American Cultural Center that's here on Livy, like, people don't know about that. There's a lot of people that don't even know that that is a cultural center that's yeah. down the street. Like, And for them to, one, not tell people about it, and then, two, take it away, that that's really, it's really disrespectful. And I really hope that they they intend on changing these plans for 2030 because yeah. having one cultural center on college avenue which is really just going to be offices and maybe one meeting space yeah. is it really limits us in what we could do and how we can meet and how we could socialize so i i, I just feel like it's really disrespectful and it, it makes me really unhappy yeah so for me since i'm a i'm criminal justice and social work so most of the time i could be like the only black male in the room right mm-hmm. and then for me going to prcc and clack it's like a brush a breath of fresh air i feel like belong that i can i can talk about anything without feeling without any judgment at all mm-hmm. um what else i was gonna say and then yes we don't know we didn't know about the changes with the 2030 plan how um the director there's so many staff that needs to be filled within the cultural centers now that the the director of Asian American Cultural Center she's she's on the verge of becoming the executive director of the Asian American Cultural right. Center executive director of the Cultural Center Collaborative don't get me wrong I'm a I'm a huge supporter of the Cultural Center Collaborative but we don't need executive director of the Cultural Center Collaborative because that's still trying to go to making it as a multicultural center. Yeah, yeah. and putting um, one person as like a hierarchy. Yeah. Yes. I think like another problem is that um, they would never consider putting the Chabad house in the C4, and I no. think that yeah. is, I mean, call it tea, call Separate. it what you want, but <laughs> it's the fact that if Jewish students are given a place where they can make it home here at Rutgers and you're not considering throwing their culture into the multicultural center, you shouldn't be throwing everyone into the multicultural center. It's just like the lack of respect. And I know that there's probably a lot more money and funding involved in the Chabad house because you know how that works. But at the end of the day, we should all have that much funding and we should all be able to have a brand new building with amazing facilities because all of our cultures are equally important. So if they're not going to throw them in, none of us should be thrown in. Right. Yeah. And this kind of move, I, you were kind of alluding to this too, Jada, um, really kind of um, minimizes a lot of the, as much as these places are really space of community, there are also ongoing issues with how the university's supporting them already mm-hmm. in terms of staffing at the PRCC. I don't know if you wanted to speak to that more too. Okay, so for me, I work at the PRCC and every year you see a change in staff. I mean, I love the staff so much, and it's just, 
it's just hard to say because we had we had an amazing assistant director, Tiana Ford. She was a graduate assistant at the Paul Robeson Culture Center for two years. Then she became the assistant director. She left after her first year. And then David Jones, Dr. David Jones, who was our former, who was our director of the Paul Robeson Cultural Center for three years, he left last month. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did get a good job offer at William Patterson University as the chief diversity officer. But to see that the amazing staff members are leaving and you always see a fluctuating change of the Paul Robeson Culture Center, mm-hmm. it raises concerns. And that's the question I do want to be asking about. Why is there change in the staff member in the university? What's going on with the administration? Yeah. 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 And has the administration responded to any of your concerns about the plan? Mm-hmm. So when we gave the, tw- the list of demands to President Barchi, of course, we didn't hear nothing at all. President Malloy hasn't said anything at all. For Dr. Mena, he's meeting with the... Um, some of the student organizations such as NAACP, Black Lives Matter, um, Douglas Black Student Congress, Black Student Union, to talk about the like what happened with the rally last semester, yeah. along with um, our meetings on Wednesday, so we'll keep you posted. Yes, <laughs> along with Dr. McGinty will be in the room, as well as Anna Branch, who's the Chancellor of Diversity, Inclusion, and Community Engagement. Mm-hmm. So they are at least opening up some kind of dialogue but. opening a dialogue what that dialogue will be that's to be determined <laughs> so, will we be yelled at it's possible likely. so you know we'll see we'll see but we'll get back to one okay, yeah. <laughs> we all know most of the most likely they're going to talk about the targum article oh, yes yeah we can get into that as well um but what would you think would be a more ideal 2030 plan um instead of this kind of Consolidation. Okay, I, I, we can list some right now. <laughs> Change the names of these um, these buildings. Yep. Remove the slave names. Put like different names. Um, st- we can stop using Paul Robeson. Paul Robeson as the only person who graduated from Rutgers. We have a, a lot of black alumni. Yeah. We can yeah. talk about Cheryl Lee Ralph. Remember, oh. she was the first black woman My to graduate girl, from woman. Rutgers. <laughs> we can talk about Jason, James Jason Carr. Just we have we have him as a library. as a library. Yeah. Why is he not talk about what else we could do? Give funding for these cultural centers. Mm-hmm. Make staff, black and brown students and faculty at Rutgers feel appreciative. You can get, you guys can go on because I, have, I can think of more. Yeah, I mean, I think there just needs to be an overhaul, like a complete overhaul. We need new um, administrators who actually care about our issues, not people yeah. who have some background in the issues and care about diversity and inclusion. Like we don't need, um, <laughs> we don't need placeholders. Yes. We need people who are actually down do to job. do something. We're going to listen to black students who maybe are going to come to our little town halls and our meetings and ask us, what would you like to see from Rutgers? Because I, at all of the BLM meetings that we've had this past semester, we have not seen a single administrator even show interest in coming so that tells you that they really don't care about how we feel and what we think and it was only after the rally that administration was like oh i guess we'll have to listen to them now that they're too loud Mm -hmm. right they can you can practice diversity inclusion equity but people need to start putting it into action Mm -hmm. yeah and you want to go jada oh i was just going to say like Overall, try to make the quality of living for black and brown um, students here on campus like more 
basically easier because mm. people walk around and people are talked about whether you're black, Indian, Latina, Latinx, like people will talk about you people will disrespect you there there were mm-hmm. different types of hate groups on campus there was white supremacy groups on campus so like i would like th- that to be addressed and i would also like issues such as hate speech to be addressed and maybe Absolutely. some yes. type of guidelines that will say you know like hate speech which we could get into the yeah. debate about free yeah. speech but hate speech is hate speech mm-hmm. and they need to come up with some type of protocol on how they address that, whether that's letting us know that something's being done or whether that's, um, you know, right. condemning that person, expelling, something. Something yeah, right. that will show the university and Speak other students that are, yes. right, that they're accountable for their actions and that the university will not stand for it. Yeah, yeah. just to pray up what Jada said, that we, they can, we, there, we heard, we, some people hear about the incident, but we don't know about the end results. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and that was like one of the reasons why we did like the rally for for support. It was for Racial support versus. for Syracuse and yeah. Rutgers. Some yeah. people may not know when Syracuse has been having a lot of racial incidents. And one of the incident include a fraternity member here at Rutgers throwing racial slurs at an African-American woman at Syracuse. Right. We don't know if the students still at Rutgers or expelled or not. Yep. Yeah. We don't know the... And I understand for the... Like, for safety like reasons, privacy you reason. can't out the person's You don't have name. to say their name. You don't have to say the frat, but you do have a responsibility to black students to let us know what's happening, especially yeah. since he was considered the one to be the most egregious in the attack. Like, yeah. he was the ringleader of the yeah. attack. Yeah. So we should know because if he could do it at Syracuse, he could, it, do, it. He could do it at Rutgers. And yeah. it's probably been done before, reported, and never resolved. So it's, they owe it to us to at least let us know. Mm-hmm. And And aside from race, like, I would like the university to maybe respect women more. Absolutely. We, we have been talking about... Um, sexual assaults and stuff like that and how they handle it as a university but there are these things that go on at these frat houses at at these parties that go unnoticed and that aren't addressed within the fraternity and sorority affairs or what's mm-hmm. going to happen to that fraternity because um we all know about one of the fraternities that have been on college Ave for years that has a has a long history of sexual assault and harassment so i feel that they need to one condemn these fraternities and stop maybe taking money as a you know to settle it maybe they should um whether it's removing them suspension something like that they need to figure something out that will help these women and help them feel more comfortable here on campus Mm -hmm. yeah and on the topic of fraternities, too, the fact that a lot of black frats don't even have their own houses. Right. No, we only have, oh, like... Don't get me started. Please. Yes, <laughs> we don't even have, like, the entire Divine Nine on campus. And that's most of the students. They just want the entire Divine Nine on campus. Mm-hmm. When you look at the uh, some most big ten, other Big Tens, the only university that has all the Divine Nine is Michigan State. Right. And they're extremely low on, extremely low on black students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, an incident like the one you were talking about at Syracuse, where this Rutgers student who apparently was the most aggressive, according to Syracuse mm-hmm. police, um, was re- was kind of like responded to with this rally um, at the end of the semester, last semester. Um, how did you think it went? What were some of the demands? And like, has how has it been with the university kind of responding to it? You can summarize some of the demands. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know that's, there's a lot. But. So we had like multiple demands. So one demand includes like a 48-hour response from the university when a racial incidents happened on campus, the university addressing the black student enrollment numbers, and 
publicizing a clear strategy for increasing the enrollment poll, comprehensive culturally competent training for all higher faculty administrator, part-time lecturers, graduate intern, employees, and students, expansion of the cultural competency SAS requirement, include more education classes on race relation, diversity, inclusion, mm-hmm. timeline with the hiring of a new director for the Paul Robeson Cultural Center, a commitment to the sport and individuality of all the cultural center within the Cultural Center Collaborative, focus on hiring and focus on hiring and the retention of faculty of color across the Rutgers University campus. A major event policy include police presence, rubric fairly applied to all of the Rutgers community, regardless of race and prior history. Because as you know that Black Student Union and West Indian Student Organization, they usually have like their big large scale event. Right. And then every year it keep on getting pushed down and get smaller and, and smaller. Over-policed. Yes, over-policed. And, and it used to be it used to be free and now we have to pay for it to be here. And wow. then it's and it used to be like a lot of people show up and now it's like first come, first serve. Right. Yeah. And then more demands include like prioritizing students when requesting to meet with administrators because that's the issue. Like when we reach out to administrators, some of them don't answer our emails, or they just they have to wait until another person is also in the room. Right. Yeah. And the last one is hiring more counselors of colors, and along with more funding towards mental health resources targeted for our marginalized community. Mm-hmm. When you look at CAP, we only have like like seven counselors of color, yeah. and I know some CAP, CAP counselors they they feel they feel miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then obviously an incident like this one points to the fact that there are students at Rutgers who hold violently racist views. And I think, Jada, you were pointing to, out this too. Um, what do you think the university and the community can do to kind of combat this ideology um, and ensure that, you know, black and brown students feel safe on campus? Um, I had this discussion in one of my classes, Color Lines and Borderlands, and we focused a lot of time on the incident at Syracuse University. Mm. So basically the point of our class was to learn about the history of the color line and what racism is and like how it fundamentally affects people in the modern day. So we talked about the Syracuse um, event. Our class even wrote our own list of demands and sent it to Syracuse. Mm. So um, we personally feel like Rutgers, it has to do with core curriculum. It has to do with what students are forced to learn when they come here. If you're forced to take a math class and you're forced to take English and forced to take history, one of those histories needs to be the history of racism in America. Right. Because you can't and you shouldn't leave a university like Rutgers that's so diverse and quote inclusive without really understanding what diversity is, what you have to know what racism is. You have to leave this university less ignorant than when you came. So I feel like it's really the responsibility of Rutgers to make classes on race, on class, on gender, on sexuality, make those core requirements for students that they can't graduate without having taken those classes and having learned at least something. Because we all know that you can't stop someone from being racist like if someone is racist they're going to be racist but it's the university's job to at least require that they have some type of knowledge even if they choose to ignore that knowledge i think the university should at least force them to have to learn about things outside of themselves because it sparks a conversation within Mm -hmm. yourself like oh, oh did i really just say that do i really feel that way about another human being like that I think that that's a really good idea, Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they should also like when it comes to like incidents, put it on the website so people can be aware of right. all the incidents. Yeah. Like last semester we had twenty four incidents, including a swastika. And, and it's like 
it's like it's 2019 2020 now like come like come on now yeah Yeah. i just think that that records doesn't want the world to know how bad it is so they try to handle a lot of things in-house but that affects black and brown students it affects all marginalized communities when you just put our issues you know in the closet Mm -hmm. and you just tell us okay just be patient we'll figure it out we'll get someone to resolve that issue it doesn't make me feel any safer on campus knowing that there are students that walk around with these violently racist views who can spew it whenever they want because you protect free speech so it just doesn't make me feel safe walking around campus knowing that at any time that i could be called a racial slur and that you won't do anything about it and i have (laughs) no we we all have. have So it's like walking down College Avenue, going to a party or something. Um, you you constantly are hearing these things and these slurs, and it's and it's like okay, so now if I act out, Rutgers is going to condemn me rather no. than the person that done, did mm-hmm. it. So it one it, it creates a, a frustration within us because we want to fight for that, we want to hit somebody for saying the N-word, we want to do this, we want to do that, we want to educate these people, but when it comes to university, they're not backing us up. They're not making us feel that that is okay. That, and they're not making us feel like that it's not okay to say those words, to yeah. be rude towards um, black, black and brown students. And we will also hold Dr. Anna Branch, who's the Chancellor of Diversity, Inclusion, Diversity, Inclusion, and Community Engagement Accountable, because right. this, is yeah. her, this is her job now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And your groups have been doing a lot of work around ensuring oh, yeah. that, that black yes. students do feel safe. Um, for our audience members who may not be aware, um, you, you do come from two different groups, but what is the kind of work that you do and like what's the work kind of centered around for BLM and NAACP? So for Black Lives Matter, we are a group of people that want to educate and protect the community, whether it um, is about um, different, different racial injustice, financial literacy and stuff like that. We want to make sure that we are Um, educating our people and protecting our people so what we've been doing is we've been giving people a outlet for emotional trauma we have given people an outlet for racial trauma Um, so um, what we really do and what we really want to do is just make sure that everybody every black student here on campus knows that we're here to protect them and that we're here to fight for what they think and for what they feel so um BLM has just been working with the NAACP to create um, different opportunities for students to have their voices heard. Mm-hmm. And the same way under the NAACP, we're, we're willing to fight for our, for our black and brown students on campus. The work we've been doing, like last semester, we had like a, we had one of our liaison did a water drive and all the, we, yes, it was go for Nork because the students, there's some Rucker students in Rucker's Nork that don't, they don't still have clean water. Yep. Yeah. The, which that's another conversation we could talk about another yeah, time. And then we also did a high school outreach with I co-organized. So we had like um, students from within Central Jersey come out, come to Rutgers for three days and learn about Rutgers, not learn more about Rutgers, but to get the experience of the, the black experience for us. Yeah. So we did t- take them to the football game. We did lose. So that's a different conversation. We lost. <laughs> we, lost. <laughs> um, we did have the stu- we had like black student organizations such as Black Lives Matter come out and talk to the students, and the students felt they felt safe and they felt like they they want to learn more because when it comes to, because their schools their schools does not know about when it comes to um, wait, let me backtrack it. So yeah. we also had like I had a Rutgers admissions show up. I had. Someone from the Educational Opportunity Fund program show up, DRC show up, Douglas Residential College show up, and the students, 
they don't know programs like AOF because their school did not teach them. Right. When they think about Rutgers, they only think about is Rutgers Newark. They people from admissions, they don't come. They don't come to like schools like in like Newark, um, South Plainfield, Carteret. The students just know about Newark. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Another thing um, about BLM, like we were started after. Like, our organization nationally was started after the murder of Trayvon Martin in 2012. So, um, since then, the org has really tried to focus on community education, right. which is why, yeah. and a lot of activism. That's, like, a big part of BLM is activism. Like, I mean, people have seen, you know, on Twitter, like, the things that have happened in Ferguson and a lot of... Um, online activism but our chapter of blm here at Rutgers, we really do focus on community engagement which is why like we go to the middle school like the the lincoln elementary school and the middle schools that are local to here and we do work with elijah's promise and we're working you know eventually we'll be working with newark on the water crisis and we just are really focused on engaging our community because the Rutgers community isn't the only community that right. needs to yes. know that Black Lives Matter. It needs to be the whole New Brunswick community that knows that Black Lives Matter because if the New Brunswick community knows, then it forces Rutgers to face that yeah. fact yeah. that Black Lives do matter. And then with the NWCP, we do work out with the New Brunswick branch. We do also work out with the community. We also do with communi community education. We Last mm -hmm. semester, we did like uh, Know Your Rights because not everybody knows about their rights when if they're stopped by a police. Yep. We also did a... Democ we did a like a Democrat the Democratic debate party. It's important we all still become totally engaged, especially mm -hmm. with the upcoming election, which that's a different conversation. <laughs> but yeah, our orgs are just really focused on the betterment of the lives of Black students here yeah, at, Rutgers yeah, at Rutgers and within the New Brunswick community that yeah. we live in. Because New Brunswick is our community. Because remember, it's Rutgers. It's remember Rutgers. It's not New Rutgers as New Brunswick. Remember. This is New Brunswick, and Rutgers is sharing that is that city. Yeah. So it yeah. feels like they want to feel like they. We, it's important that we feel connected as a community. Mm -hmm. And then James, we can remember we went to the the, the board education meeting yeah. where Lincoln Annex, a school for Black and Brown students, they're trying to, they're trying to get rid of it to make it as a, another cancer center. Yep. And, yeah. put, and cancer is important, yes. but yeah. so are the little black and brown children yeah. at yeah. Lincoln Annex. But to make another cancer center and you're going to put the students in a warehouse, that's another slap in the face. Yeah, yeah. I, I worked with kids in New Brunswick and you're going to put some of my kids so in funny. that warehouse? Yeah. And the reason they're able to kind of do that is because a lot of too many students here are in this bubble where they don't really see the community. Yep. Right. And it's really important that orgs like yours are doing this kind of like community partnership and community engagement. I want to um, yeah. make something clear before we move on. Like people come to Black Lives Matter and say, well, you guys are a hate group. You guys are this. We are we don't promote hate. We love and accept everybody. We just are exemplifying that Black Lives Matter, especially mm -hmm. here on campus. It started off as an organization called Black Lives Matter Two. People only focused on that part and decided to call it the part that says Black Lives Matter and um tried to call it a hate group we have people that reach out to us all the time like our white students allowed to come our hispanic students allowed to come yes the more people we have the please. better yeah. please come out because we're like sydney said we're doing things with the community we're we're always in Newark. we're always um we're about to branch out to camden and we're going to jersey city and patterson very soon so we're we really just need more people because the more people the more change and also nwcp we're a non-partisan org so right. Like, just come out and support us. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, like, are there any 
um, plans that you have for this semester and then the like, events uh-huh. or meetings that you want to promote um, before we go to? Yeah, um, on February 1st, which is the first day of Black History Month, my favorite yes. month, yes. Um, uh, Black Lives Matter is planning a blackout. So it's just going to be um, an event for remembrance. It's going to be held in Livy Circle. We'll have more information out on it tentatively for 5 p.m. Um, but we'll have more information so you can look out for a flyer. And then BLM is in the process of planning some events for Black History Month. Um, can't disclose too much about those because we're going to meetings to finalize those <laughs> details. But just be on the lookout for events that a lot of Black Rutgers orgs are going to be hosting this February. If you claim that you care about diversity and inclusion, <laughs> you should care about Black History Month. It's more than just Martin Luther King. It's There's so many people that need to be celebrated and honored. It's a important culture and history to celebrate. So y'all should come out. And then for NAACP, February is our Founders Month, so we have a month-long event. So one of the events is a a Black History basketball tournament. Um, We have the history of the Rutgers NAACP and many more events, which you can can all see on our social media page. And one side project I want to do is do like a clothing and a food drive and everything, all the proceeds will go to Puerto Rico because it's... We do have some black. We have some students who who have, may have family in Puerto Rico. Afro Latinos exist. Yes, mm-hmm. it's important that we show, we ha- show support because remember, Puerto Rico is part of the United States. Okay. Yeah, and a form a, a colony basically. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. I, it's no, oh, don't even. Oh, show, maybe. It makes me sad. <laughs> Um, but thank you all like so much for coming on the show. Um, definitely want to come back and talk more with all of you about different issues that we discussed here. Um, I think our audience learned a lot about some of the issues that are going on here and also you know how perhaps someone like Holloway could address them. Um, but we're definitely going to keep an eye out on all of these stories as the semester goes on. Um, and just want to again thank you all so much for coming on the Thanks show. Thank you. We appreciate it. You guys can follow Black Lives Matter at BLM, BLM RU on Instagram. And then the NAACP is Rutgers NAACP. Yes. Gotcha. This has been Core of the Matter, the public affairs forum for 90.3 The Core. If you or someone you know has an issue you'd like to talk about on our air or an organization you'd like to highlight, um, you can email us at publicaffairs at thecore.fm. But that's been our program for today. Stay tuned for more Core Radio after this. That's the sound of your classmate receiving an attachment of you posing in your underwear. Your ex-boyfriend forwarded.